Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game with Love podcast, a place for all games and all people. I'm Chase McEwen, joined today by Ty Greenall. That's me. Kai Arnstorf. Yo. And our guest, Austin Shaw. Hello. Cool. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, gaming music, because some of our favorite tracks in gaming. Um, but first of all, we just want to give a quick mention to ukraine and russia uh, our thoughts are with all the innocent people suffering from that right now uh, this is a very stressful time for everybody but hopefully talking about video games will take your mind off of it we're gonna start as always with one thing we love in the industry in the past couple weeks uh and we'll start with kai tell us all right awesome all right well i think uh one of the bigger things that's happened is that steam decks are finally being released and sent out to the public um people are actually getting their hands on the machinery it's really cool portable technology it always seemed like kind of the next step of what i really wanted out of the switch which was almost more of like a tablet gaming hybrid sort of idea like what i always felt like was missing from the switch was like actually having like an internet browser or like the ability to use like streaming apps to actually watch stuff so i could basically just use the switch as a tablet but i'm not playing games with it and you know we finally have that freedom with the steam deck yeah um, it's it's like a it's essentially just a handheld computer like you can do whatever you could on your pc i will say on that note it is actually super weird now that you mention it that the switch hasn't caved after all these years and put netflix on there because that feels like it's such an a, easy shoe actually, in right it's actually wild how it doesn't have yeah. youtube like or netflix, netflix. crunchy roll it has youtube oh, but that's it, YouTube, it. that's okay. the only one but like that's crazy. Twitch, like nothing it's so it's, weird it shows an example of just how nintendo as a company can be both very ahead of the times and very behind yeah. the times at the same time like the switch is an amazing piece of technology but why is there no streaming services yeah it, it literally just feels like just because that nintendo they're a little old-fashioned and they just haven't caught up hopefully some competition like. will cause them to kind of kick it into next gear with their whatever their next big announcement may be especially since steam you don't have to pay a monthly rate in order to use it and play <laughs> online games and you know, Steam functions and Nintendo's online service doesn't. It's horrible. It's terrible. And you have to pay money for it, which is a joke. Yeah, that is a good one, though. I'm excited for um, yeah. what will come out in the future, like other other companies versions of the Steam Deck. You know, it'd be cool to see what Razer does or like other gaming companies. We'll go to Austin. What's your thing you loved recently? So what the thing I love for this month of gaming would be... Um, well, the big theme is transparency. The one I wanted to talk about, though, um, was Elden Ring's launch, and specifically the PC performance issues. Uh, so the thing I love about this is that um, quickly, so I guess to give background, um, Elden Ring's launch, uh, the PC port, unsurprisingly, given FromSoft's track record, is not great. <laughs> um, there is quite a few performance issues on all ranges of systems, even if you have like a 3090, you'll encounter some instances where your game will freeze up um but they put out a, a quickly to put out a response uh message saying that they're looking into the performance issues and they're actively working on to solve them so i like that the the company is quick to admit that yes our game has problems and yes we're, we're trying to actively fix it it doesn't really say a whole lot else 
but it is nice to know that they're actively improving on their game. Now, it'd be, it'd be great if the game <laughs> came out without performance issues. Um, in PC, it's a little more difficult because everyone's system is so different. Yeah, the the thing is, though, game. is this is happening on the consoles as well. Like, the yes. PS5 version of Elden Ring is having huge performance issues. Like, the only way to get a consistent frame rate on PS5 is to literally play the PS4 version of the game on the PlayStation 5. Yes. That's yeah. silly. It is like, nice to have them, like, though, admit it and uh, not try and just sweep it under the rug. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, they're, like, actively working it's, on it. It's just weird for uh, a company with the caliber of FromSoft to just release a game this unoptimized. It's, like... I mean, Holy you say crap. that, yeah, but I mean, when have they ever I released it? Prepared Die Edition exists. Trust me, I bought it. <laughs> well, not even Prepared to Die Edition. Like Bloodborne is still doesn't have a game, doesn't have a, a release in which it can run above like thirty in like yeah, all areas. Which like is ridiculous. their games yeah, consistently it, run poorly. Yeah, but I mean that's also on the PS4, which was already kind of eh, hardware when it came out. It's definitely not to the caliber of uh, you know like Cyberpunk's release, but. It's like new. It's still not what it should be for a launch of a big game like this, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's. I'm a little. I'm. A, I'm. I'm going to be honest with the performance issues. I'm a little disappointed in FromSoft for, for these performance issues. Yeah, it shouldn't I, have been released in this state. It could have used another month or two in the oven. Yeah, I saw today that it's getting its first user Metacritic reviews at like soft sevens, kind of right mm. now. <laughs> Specifically yeah, and I think it's just because of performance. Yeah. I think it's all because hugely. of performance issues. I think they just get the game and they're not happy with the state it's in. Understandably so. Um, I think every, but every year that goes by, I think games are harder and harder to make, and yeah. it's to expect the same, you know, development cycle timeline of like three years to come out with a game. Um, we're going to get a lot more of these, you know. We saw it with Cyberpunk, and people are going to get crunched, and games are going to get thrown out like half baked or like uh, not complete. And I don't think that's. But really it, you know, change. like for someone who spends like two thousand dollars on their rig, you know, you really don't want games that are not working well if you spend thousands of dollars on a rig just to get games to perform well and they're hitting like sub 30 frames and it's nothing that's wrong with your rig it's literally the game yeah i completely understand why people are frustrated with this and it's a trend that you're right has been happening in the industry a lot especially this past month like almost every major release this month has had huge performance issues i've heard that in the industry like the QA guys are getting sacked a lot and QA all across the industry is just not in a good place right now. And I can absolutely feel that literally if these companies just put more money into their QA, these problems could be solved before the public ever hits them. And then these things never become an issue. I just don't understand why companies do, don't do this. It's also possible that they kind of have specifically been crunching a little bit recently to fix that RCE bug we talked about, I think, on the last podcast, Kai. Like, that's also a major thing that came up within a few weeks of the the game's launch that kind of forced them to restructure the games online, right? Like That's true. But by, by the point that that happened, which was... True, the game should have month. already been basically done at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When you're coming to a few weeks before release, like I, I assume the, the product is basically finished. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. uh, Ty, do you want to hit us with yours? Yeah. My thing, uh, my thing that I loved is a little bit lighter than either of those two. My, uh, in, my thing is that in 2018, Celeste won uh, Best Indie Game at the Game Awards. That's my thing that I loved this month. <laughs> Did you just, just popped back into your head? <laughs> No, no, but for real, though, for real though, the actual thing is that they never received their physical game award, their actual trophy, and uh, just this last week, a YouTuber found it on eBay for sale, and his name is Prestige is Key. So shout out to that guy. It looks like he mostly makes Call of Duty videos. 
Um, but he found their game award on eBay, bought it, and returned it to them. And I think that that's is amazing. the sweetest thing. Yeah, because they absolutely deserve that award, Why did baby. They not receive? That's so weird. I don't know. It looks like it was some kind of mix-up. Like it just got lost in all the things being shuffled around at the event, and it ended up with some rando who well, sold homie. it on eBay. <laughs> that's an ins- that's probably an insane story on that trophy that we'll never know about. Yeah, like, how right. Did they get yeah. to that man's hands. There's a whole on eBay. there's a whole animated movie about that trophy, like falling yeah, into yeah. a truck and then into some some kids. I was just back- gonna say, Say, maybe their, their next game school. will be about the lost trophy that they never <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, that, that, that was my thing. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, I had no idea <laughs> that was an issue. Um, yeah, mine is uh, just uh, the creators of uh, this war of mine. I think they're 11-bit studios. Yeah, 11-bit studios. They um, are donating all the proceeds to any future sales of this war of mine to uh, Ukraine Red Cross, which is awesome. Seems to be a bunch of developers are kind of following that suit now. I know uh, GOG is selling uh, This War of Mine as well for all the profits, and I think a bunch of other games as well. And uh, Bungie and one other big, oh, uh, CD Projekt Red, they're doing a and lot of Ubisoft, proceeds. I also saw. Ubisoft oh, as cool. well. Yeah, so that's nice to see people in the gaming industry stepping up for that um, some, and also, providing some relief. Also, uh, GOG is owned by CD Projekt Red. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> no worries. Cool. Well, there's just a couple little light news uh, from the gaming industry, and we're going to get right into some gaming music. Yeah, we're just going to play like 30 seconds of each track. We've each brought three tracks today. Um, we're going to cycle through Austin, Kai, Ty, and then me, and uh, just talk about them. Uh, a lot of these we're all familiar with, so we'll all be able to add our own inputs but yeah we're just gonna first play 30 seconds of austin's first song which is love the subhuman self from guilty gear strive so let me cue that up i'll warn you right now to anyone who hasn't uh, heard this song this is a it's a certified banger it's a certified banger truly is hold on to your pants older folks at home okay here we go ready and here we go nope (laughs) that's that's uh, next (laughs) One set. <laughs> Wait, no, I don't remember it, but skip, maybe it's right? right there. <laughs> no, that's that's a gear, all right. Okay, ready? Here it is. Austin, do you want to kick off talking about that? Yeah, sure. All right. So I chose that song because I really wanted to, first of all, highlight the uh, the Strive soundtrack altogether. Um, that song in particular, I think, is my favorite song off the Strive soundtrack. Um, I think it's... I really love like the energy that it brings. And I, I also love the, like the, the female vocals. I think they do a really good job in most of the songs. And I think this one's no exception. Yeah, I have never heard that track and it's better than the intro in my opinion milia rage's theme she's my main she's a babe she's got cool hair swords uh and a big fur coat and you she hear likes that song blue discs 
every time you play as her in training mode. So I've heard <laughs> it a lot. <laughs> yeah, actually. So I definitely didn't want to choose Eno's theme because I play Eno and I yeah. get in training mode. I will play Let's so go, much Eno. At the same time, in training mode. on repeat for so long. But so what I like. Eno's the theme's amazing. Yeah, you know, I, you know, seems is really good as well. Well, they're all really good, and I think part of the reason why they're really good is like uh, you can tell that Daisuke really cares about first of all his characters, and then that care really gets translated into the music for his characters because how he writes each song is so personalized to like Absolutely. the growth and development of the character. Like Amelia's whole theme is about you know self acceptance, love the subhuman self, and she's t- like you gotta live with that and carry on, and then you know that's how he bursts out in the chorus. There was a lot of like like transitions it really feels like she's like fighting an inner battle like and the music's like changing like three or four times and then it just like amps up to the chorus where she's like screaming and it's yeah real good i like that a lot i was gonna say it amps up any fight that you're in with uh with her it 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 really gets the blood pumping in the game it's not just that song though like it's like you say austin like just spotlight on the entire guilty gear strive soundtrack because literally it's straight bangers like that is one of my favorite songs from the soundtrack too but it it's a toss-up it's in my top three or five maybe somewhere but there's a lot of really good tracks in there yeah and i think chase pointed out but like the the song's dynamic and all the songs are pretty dynamic like they they change they 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 might speed up slow down they might add have a bunch of instruments then they'll take away the instruments you know it doesn't stay the same for very long especially i think faust's theme is also a really good example of that like it, it completely changes um halfway through the song which I think is so cool, and it does a lot for you know telling the story about the character through music. But that brings me to my second point about this, and it's a little bit of a hot take, but I think this song and most of the Guilty Gear Strive character soundtrack is actually not great fighting game music. For the same think, reason you spoke about? Because of the For the same reason I spoke about, it's, it's so dynamic, things change a lot. And you have to understand, Guilty Gear is a very fast-paced game. You know, rounds will end very quickly. So if the song can't get there fast enough, it, you could go with, like, pretty much silence or like a little like very quiet music for the first bit a character just came out biken for example biken's song i think takes like 30 to 50 seconds to start properly the the game might be over by then yeah absolutely like you might not get to the end before you actually hear biken's song start and i also think this is a very personal uh take though but i think that vocals in fighting game music it's and for me, it makes it harder to focus. I think if there's someone actually yeah, with singing with lyrics, I think it's harder to focus on the match because the, the voices are a bit of a distraction. I feel like if the uh, that issue you mentioned with the, of the with the tone constantly changing and like instruments coming in and out was lessened, then the vocals would maybe be a little less distracting. But because like you have like quiet sections with low like low instrumentals and then really loud sections at the same time, like the vocals probably really stand out. Also, like, yeah, you're right. It can absolutely take away from focus when you're listening for sound cues for specific characters for their moves, right? Like, yep. that's you. your brain reacts to auditory uh, stimulus a lot faster than it does visual. Mm-hmm. And when the music is going haywire in the background, it can be hard to pick out something specific you're looking for. Yeah, that was a good first track, though. I would listen to that outside of the game for sure. Oh, I've yeah. listened to that entire soundtrack outside of the oh, game. Oh, absolutely. On repeat. <laughs> I, I love the whole soundtrack. I think it's so good. And even like each DLC character they come out with, every song's a banger somehow. They never fail. All right, let's move on to our next track uh, from Kai, A Story You Won't Believe from The Witcher 3. Yee. And here it is.
Kai, you want to yeah. you want to start us off on that one? Yeah, so um, for any of you that have played The Witcher 3, you would recognize that as one of the many Gwent songs in the game. And uh, I think all the Gwent music is equally fantastic. This is literally just the one that stands out to me the most. But every single one of these tracks for Gwent is a banger. This is completely, like, Gwent is completely optional in The Witcher 3. You can go through the entire thing completely ignoring it and not even hearing this part of the soundtrack. And yet they have this awesome soundtrack to accompany this game that's within a game. So you're playing this awesome card game, which can get really intense with this really fun tavern music in the background that always enforces the fact that you're having fun. And it's just really just pleasant to listen to. Uh, sometimes I'll just go and uh, like if I'm playing something like Sea of Thieves or something, we'll throw on Gwent music in the background because it fits that game amazingly well. <laughs> like, it, it's just they're just great songs. Um, in an already fantastic soundtrack, but I think these are the most fun to listen to. And uh, this is this just really accentuates that. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed that. It, it was very like a cliche, but it still had a lot of personality. Like the flute was just like kind of riffing and uh, it definitely felt like tavern music for sure. Yeah, I was thinking mm-hmm. full on like Irish bar fight music. Yeah, right there. yeah like, definitely. <laughs> yeah. about to break out. Yeah, yeah. With it, that fits, so- it fits the Witcher perfectly, you know. Yeah, with that with that song, it just sounds like there's like a, a story to be told. You know, it sounds like mm. he's someone sitting down, like they grab a beer at the bar and like they're about to like tell about their their big long journey, something on horseback, you know. And I think yeah. <laughs> I haven't played The Witcher myself, but I feel like that really is kind of certainly fits a vibe that The Witcher encapsulates. So, sure. and I, like Sea of Thieves as well, absolutely, I could see that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. no wonder. Yeah, I could I could see that being played in the background of like a D and D session. Sun loop. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, good song. All right, now we're going to play one from Ty that we're probably all familiar with. If you're not familiar with this song, you're not a real gamer. That's just yeah. how it be, boys and, <laughs> boys and boys. If you don't bust this song out at karaoke, what are you even doing? Um, it's Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid 3. Let's give it a listen. Silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme All right, Ty, start us off. Yeah, that feels like a good place to end it. Wow. I mean, just like, it's so iconic. I have so much fun anytime I hear that song come on. Uh, shout out to Cynthia Harrell, or Harrell, however you say that last name, for some of the most iconic vocal 
vocals uh, in any gaming song ever. But uh, yeah, no other game has ever had a ladder climbing theme exclusively than Metal Gear 3. So it wins just by being so unique, I guess. Yeah. Also, but, shout out to it being in uh, MGS4 as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the, the in, little callback. With the little callback, you get to kick Liquid's ass to this theme, and it's <laughs> kind of fun as fuck. Yep. Um, yeah, it's also the final boss theme of Metal Gear Solid 3. It's also the opening scene music. It's just like they knew how good of a track they had on their hands, and they put it all over the game. But And that, that theme re- remains, and I'm pretty sure it's in MGS5, too, in the in just in the Walkman. You can go and listen to it. Like, they... they respect their music in the, that franchise for sure yeah the vocals in that song are absolutely incredible they're so yeah. good it's amazing it's um, impossible not to groove along like it's just impossible. yeah doesn't it sound like a bond theme like I, that's what i love about mm-hmm. it it's so bond like yep. it's great it's like oh my goodness yes because that's well, exactly it, what they're going for right for like, the mgs3 yeah. vibe like mgs3 yeah. is meant to very much feel like a bond movie right yeah yeah so it fits perfectly yeah i i always love games with lyrics there's not enough games with lyrics as someone who likes to play a lot of gaming music outside of games I want more games with banger lyrics like that that i can sing along to problem is talented talented singers and talented lyricists are both hard to come by and expensive <laughs> one other thing i liked about that song was just it it's not afraid to be goofy as well sometimes like something like when do they You'll say about being a tree frog a tree frog <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like it it's, doesn't forget it's like goofy metal gear solid feel as well either it's like doesn't take itself too seriously exactly yeah and that's what kojima is a master yeah, at, at the same time yeah. taking himself too seriously yeah, it's true you know? it's true it's it's a kojima masterpiece because it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time it's an amazing dramatic closeout to mgs3 and when you're fighting the boss and you're fighting in that in the field of flowers. Spoilers for MGS3, everybody, for a freaking 15-year-old <laughs> game. But you're fighting her in the field of flowers, and the song plays like twice, once instrumentally and once with lyrics during the fight. And it's just, woo, chills every time. Yeah, that's a good song. All right, we're moving on to my first one, which is Paradise Stay Forever from Paradise Killer. This is a cool-ass game that I need to get around to finishing one day. Here we go. Paradise, stay forever from Paradise Killer. It's a song that plays right after the opening. Like it sets the scene, gives you some exposition, and then you jump off this giant tower and see like the beach below you and the the giant island that you're going to be exploring the whole game. And that's the song that plays. And it's just it like sets the scene for the game so perfectly. And I really enjoy it. What do you guys think? 
damn it's it's so good yeah no it's it's got a lot of that that like funk vibe to it and like you know i i can just tell listening to that song it's like yeah this song probably encapsulates the game's vibe perfectly (laughs) you could tell me that was like an upcoming song from persona 6's soundtrack and i would not have (laughs) would not have been surprised (laughs) yeah it just uh yeah it it does a good job at setting the scene and also just like the whole soundtrack is something that I'll play on like a rainy day if I want to feel like some beach summer beach vibes. It just all of it feels very um, Miami kind of vibes. And uh, yeah, I really dig it. Just brings up your mood. That's a huge part of the game's identity, too, for oh, yeah. anyone who hasn't played it. Like <laughs> it really makes you want to just explore this island and and be in the sun. It would also be like good good streaming music for like technical difficulty stuff. Like That's you have technical true, difficulties, actually. just plant the screen, pop that song, audience is sticking around. <laughs> and now, because you've said that, Kai, if we ever actually use that in the future, it's officially a callback to an OG <laughs> yeah. podcast episode. We're gonna do technical difficulties <laughs> that. We have a lot of technical difficulties, so you'll hear that song a lot. Used to folks get used to what are you it. talking about, Chase? Everything has gone perfectly technical-wise. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess if we're going to have playing a lot, a lot of technical difficulties, might as well make it a good song. Or you can make it a song that grates on you, so you'll feel pressured to you know, improve your technical prowess and not run into these difficulties. <laughs> oh no, I'll have to hear Just the... Just a ticking metronome. Yeah, <laughs> the Jeopardy theme. Right, that's our first batch of songs, so we're back up to Austin. Um... And Austin's next song is In Circles from the lovely Transistor. We have three um, uh, Supergiant songs in this. Uh, you should have warned me. I brought, I brought like 10 extra songs to sub Nah, in. it's cool. We could always do this again if we enjoy okay, it. Okay, so. okay. Fair enough, fair enough. And here we go. Perfect. Austin? Yeah, so there are so many songs you could pick from any one of Supergiant's games. Um, Transistor's personally one of my favorite of the Supergiant's games, and I think that Transistor and um, Pyre have the best soundtracks. So I I went with uh, Transistor, and why I chose this song in particular uh, is because I really like where it happens in the game. So I think this is the first lyric song maybe the second lyric song you you hear but the first one that comes up in a boss fight and there's a lot of storytelling going on in the song itself the lyrics actually kind of describe you you fight sybil in the game 
and the lyrics kind of actually descri- describe the relationship, you know, the the protagonist and then and then Sybil and the the relationship. And I think it's a it's really well done, and like all of it, the vocals are always amazing. And yeah, I don't know, I just I really liked the song, and it was the first time in Transistor's music when I was first playing through Transistor, I was like, damn, this song has some really good music. <laughs> yeah, this is so sick. Well, thank you for prefacing the rest of this podcast because apparently we have two more uh, yeah. <laughs> super giant songs. You you really aren't far there by saying you could bring any song from their games, but. Yeah, Transistor soundtrack is absolutely amazing, and more people need to be onto that game because it is so very good. Yep, I sat down and played that with headphones and was just like so taken aback by the music. I play the, the soundtrack at work all the time, and I've actually recently really come around to In Circles. I mean, I always liked it, but I would usually play like Paper Boats or like some of the uh, non-lyric songs. But yeah, after listening to this a couple times recently, I'm like, oh, this song's so good. Uh-huh. The like, chorus just hits real well, and then it like yeah. also towards the end it starts to pick up and like get a little bit more bombastic, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great song. Cool. <laughs> Except we have Kai with one final effort uh, from Halo. Halo Three. Yes, Halo Three. Yes. Here we go. Not gonna lie, that gave me goosebumps. I forgot how good Halo 3's music is. Yeah. Like that just shot me back to 2007. <laughs> it's amazing, man. Like Halo 3 soundtrack is fantastic. But the the main reason why I picked One Final Effort over, say, like Halo 3 ODST soundtrack, like the ambient soundtrack of that game is phenomenal. Is just the story significance of when this song comes in. This starts right at the beginning of the level of the Covenant, which is the final Covenant level in the trilogy. It's meant to be that we're going for that one big final push and you just land on the beach with your Spartan laser and you're just obliterating everybody to Marty O'Donnell's uh, Bane and Piano Beats. When this song came on when I was playing the game, I'm like, God damn, this is one of the all time great soundtracks. It's fantastic. It just edged out ODST for me. Yeah, no, it's just a fantastic song. Probably not my... very many Halo songs have uh, piano in them, so... Probably my personal favorite track from across the entire Halo soundtrack soundscape. Yeah, the piano hits so hard in that. Just like like climbing up and down the keys is oh, so good. Uh, Austin, did you ever play Halo? Uh, I did. I mean, I've played Halo. I, I didn't own any of the Halos. And I never played through any of the stories. So I'm, I'm missing out on like the, uh, the story significance of the song. But I, what I love about it, though hearing it i mean it's so iconic that i even know it i can recognize it instantly have not having played the game it's the soundtrack just transcends that and it's it's part of pop culture but like 
it, it's not, it's just such, got such a consistent like motif where it's just like you'd hear like oh that's the Halo Three theme, but it's like no, that's just another song mm-hmm. in the story. But it, they've always bring back to that melodic line uh, or like that um, harmonic line. Da 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 da. Like they keep coming back to it, and like the way they do it, then they bring it in with the piano, like you said. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's really good. All the best soundtracks <laughs> mm-hmm. seem to have, or all at least my favorite soundtracks seem to have like a good through line motif, like going. Yeah, they got a good central idea, yeah. and they keep coming back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the mark of a good composer, man. I don't know what to yeah, tell you for sure. Yeah, yeah Marty, Marty's one of the all-time greats. Man. Yep, he's he's fantastic, and you can hear it in that song. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Next up, we've got Ty with Good Riddance from Hades. Is there multiple versions of this one, or is this the... Yes. Okay, which this one? This is... Uh, I was hoping to get the duet. Okay, got you. Yeah, I was about to say, is this the Eurydice song? It <laughs> is the Eurydice say. song for all those Hades say, gamers. I hope we mentioned the Eurydice song if we're talking Super Giant. Yes. Also, shout out to the composer of Hades being uh, the voice of Zagreus and being the best Hades player at Super Giant, which is hilarious. We love you, Darren. We love you so much. And here we go. Yeah, gorgeous. Oof. Such a good song. So I agree with what you said earlier, Austin, about uh, Transistor being a top tier. Uh, I think Hades edges out Pyre, although I do love both games' soundtracks. I really, truly do. Um, and the reason I specifically wanted to get the duet uh, from this game in there is just because of the way it's kind of used with the, the storytelling at play. Building up to it, uh, you meet this character, Eurydice, who is kind of like a safe safe spot in your run, who is guaranteed to just like give you a, a room to rest and also an upgrade. And she's usually singing a song by herself. And then when you uh, progress in the story and realize that Orpheus is her partner, then they've been separated for so long. Eventually, you get to hear Orpheus's solo version as he like sings it to himself sadly in the hall. And then there's a sense of like triumph and victory to it when you actually complete the quest and you uh, you get to hear the the, du- the duet version every time you go into that room and like they're just happy and hanging out again. And it's like, yeah, I did that. I brought these two back together, and now I get this gorgeous song. And yeah, it's really lovely. I love it a lot. Yeah, it brings me right back to my Hades speedrunning days when I'd walk into their room. I'm like, ah, the clock is stopped. They got some nice music. I'm going to get some buffs. Pick my feet up. It's a nice calm before before the storm. You can spend as long as you want in there. No one cares. 
Just another uh, testament to Darren Corb's ability to incorporate music into storytelling, telling like so dynamically. Like that's so cool to have two songs separately recorded and then have them together at the end. Like yes, very fulfilling to not only complete a quest Absolutely. but to have like a huge reward like that. And Darren Corb needs to sing more. He's so fucking like. He's yeah, so I, was, I was about to say, like, can we give some respect for Darren Corb's singing like that whole game, like yeah. straight up Incredible. as Orpheus? Like, damn, I didn't. Yeah, no, the dude's a the dude's a voice prodigy to begin with. Like, yeah, and the voice acting talent he displays in that game is f- out of this yeah. world. Like, and all the characters he voices sounds completely different from one another. Yes, and also pairing that talent with Ashley Barrett's absolutely phenomenal female vocals that we already mm-hmm, mentioned mm-hmm. on on the transistor song from earlier. Like, it's just a match made in heaven. And like, yeah, like fairly recently we saw those two come up on stage at the Game Awards. Like, we, we want to talk about things transcending into pop culture. Like, these two fully just showed up and played their song in the middle <laughs> yeah. of nowhere, and everyone was down for it because like they're just some of the best in the industry right now doing what they do. And then Imagine Dragons showed up. And then Imagine Dragons showed up to ruin it. <laughs> stupid AAA League of Legends bullshit. The worst part of Arcane is that theme song. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't I like think, the theme song. I, I feel like it fits the show pretty well, but I, yeah, sure. No, no. There's a there's a part. If you haven't seen Arcane, there's a part where it comes in in the show and it's terrible. Oh, so I hate forced. how it's hand, how it's handled. Everything is just oh. All right, I agree with that. And <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, my second song which is another Transistor song. It is Old Friends from Transistor. So well, all right then. The supergiant tri- trifecta in this round. If only we had known, then Austin could have brought a Pyre song. We could have rigged the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go, my friends. Um, yeah, another game for me that like just really sets the scene. This is the first song that's played in Transistor. And right away I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a game with a good good soundtrack. And it really um I don't know, cap captures like a very strong feeling of like melancholy or like nostalgia. You know, I mean it's even called old friends. It's just like hearkening back to something that you used to have with someone and that's the way the whole song feels. And it just like sneakily complicated drums in there too like i really love the but then they keep like mixing that up too and adding in a couple extra beats in there and it's just a really strong start to that game i was gonna say the drum work really stuck out to me too like i really liked when the cymbals were kicked in and 
uh, I think that's what are, those are called, the, the metal discs on the drum. Is that a symbol? Am I no, correct? No, they call them that? metal discs. The drummers call them metal Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> hit your fucking metal disc, you stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, when the symbol kicked in, like, yeah, I was like, okay, this is some really fucking amazing drum work going on right here. Yeah, I would love to hear Darren go back and maybe not go back, but kind of retread and go back to doing some more industrial type music like that on a future soundtrack at some point. Like maybe not as the central theme like it is in Transistor, because that's kind of the sound design for the whole game. But yeah. something kind of similar working in that that kind of techno world would really shine the light for him. I think I feel like because damn Transistor soundtrack is so good. Oh, maybe. Austin, you want to touch on it? Yeah, no, I, well, I think to really highlight why we all thought the drums were so good, what I really liked about it was, like, the melody comes in on the guitar, and it hits every quarter note, just straight on, dun, 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 dun. like, it just hits all the quarter notes, and then as soon as the drums come in, they break that, and they start hitting on the eighth notes, and you're like, damn, there's some, like, syncopated rhythm going on in here, and it really, it really it sticks out. And I, what I liked, really like about the um, all the all the non-vocal transistor songs is they always have like two forms. They have you have you have the form that you hear when you run around the world, and you also have the form when you like you use your stop time ability, or you, and you go into like you and do you the go, humming too. Yeah, you do the humming, and I and I think that's so it's so great for like the you know the environmental storytelling of just like the fact yeah she did lose her voice to the sword, and you know so when she uses the sword's powers. Um, she can hear she can hear herself humming, or you or the player can hear the humming because at that point you're kind of in the swords world, not hers. So I like just transistor overall. Just yeah, music's so integrated, and I think this this first song is such a highlight of that. And like Chase said, like the world, yeah, you just you just feel like you're in some some melancholy. It's sad, but it's also familiar to a degree, and it's it's a little dark, and that's kind of what you feel when you start out the game. So yeah, no, excellent track. Cool. All right, we're out of the super giant block. And we're on to <laughs> Austin's final song, a classic, uh, Dire Dire Docs from Super Mario 64. Okay, here we go. to get to the double time but we can just have yeah it comes that. up so late in the song yeah but go it's ahead okay. dire dire docs might be one of my favorite video game piece of me- video game music pieces of all time i think it's really really good especially for the time when it came out and it brings a lot of like super interesting ideas it's adaptive when you're in game so depending on where you are in the level which part of the song plays changes and i think it really captures you know sort of water video game music (laughs) (laughs) to a degree it captures it so well it's got you've got a very iconic well-written melody line like that melody line is like the perfect example of being like not too it's sounding like so simple some simplistic and familiar but like so catchy like it's really well written and then 
as the song goes on, it just keeps layering on top of itself. You know, extra instruments get brought in, you get some low strings coming in. And eventually, like you mentioned, the double time drums, which is my favorite part, is when the double time drums come in. And then it really starts to pick up the pace of the song, which you weren't expecting. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an amazing underwater piece. If I was ever in a sensory deprivation tank, I'd just want Die Die Docs playing the whole time. Yeah, I was in there. so yeah, soothing. Uh, that start. wouldn't really be sensory deprivation at that point. <laughs> the but only, yeah. the one sense. One sense <laughs> if I can have one sense in its yeah. ears, then I'm listening to this song. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else want to touch on Die Die Docs? I don't think there's anything uh, I can say that hasn't been said about this song before. It is a classic. You're right about that. It's amazing. It just reminds me of all my wonderful hours in my childhood spent drowning Mario. Man. <laughs> <laughs> anything that reminds me of that is golden. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, this this song's called Dire Dire Docks, but it first shows up in Jolly Roger Bay. Um, which I find pretty funny. <laughs> it's not Dire Dire Docks the level, which it actually first shows up in. Cool. Um, yeah, great song. And now we move on to Kai with Something Secret Steers Us from Half-Life 2, correct? That is correct, yes. And boom, there we go. Yeah, this is the one I was saying like needs like a minute and a half, so. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. We'll let it ride. I'm going to check on Zuko. All right, Kai, take it away. Yeah, no, fucking great track. For fans of Half-Life, you probably know that this song did originally appear in the original Half-Life. There it's called Nuclear Mission Jam. But the reason I chose Half-Life 2's version of it is, again, story significance. It's a song that marks a change of tone for the game. For the first eight chapters of the game, uh, you're essentially on the run from the combine like there are right on your heels the whole time and gordon just has to just move 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 he's on the run he's on the retreat you don't feel like you're going through combine left right and center but you don't really feel like you're the one in control you're just trying to desperately survive in this world when you get to this part in uh, the chapter sand traps which this is the lighthouse fight this is the point in the game where 
the tone shifts, the chase ends, and Gordon's basically had enough. And he's just planting his feet in the ground and saying, fuck this, I'm moving forward, we're taking the fight to the Combine. Um, And it's just a very great song just to get that transition part of the story uh, down correctly without having to have any dialogue to get those tones across. Just another thing that just Half-Life 2 storytelling just does so fucking brilliantly. Uh, that game storytelling is just on another level at another point at a lot of points in it. And this song encapsulates that, in my opinion, much better used than I think in Half-Life 1. Half-Life 1, I don't even like I remember the songs there. I just don't remember its use. But uh, but on top of that, it's just a good song. So feels like very era appropriate. Like it feels like a time splitter song, like in that like FPS like era. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, Ty, anything? Well, I just want to add. Yeah. It just sounds kind of badass, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but like not in an overly yeah. like explosions, like metal guitar kind of way, but like the way it grooves, you're just like, yeah, this is, this is badass. Yeah, it's very groovy. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's also like on your point about the story significance of the moment, Kyle, like, uh, it's also a pretty big shift. I feel like from like what's been playing as far as like, uh, I don't know, uh, the music in the previous chapters feels a little bit more subdued. And then in that moment, it definitely feels like it's like chains off, like, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that was actually another reason why I love it so much. You put it in perfectly. Cool. All right. Well, we're on to Ty's last song uh, now, which oh is boy. a great one. Um, Mantis Lords from Hollow Knight. Yeah, that song is so good. Go oh ahead, man, Ty. best some of the best boss music in any game ever. First of all, that's it's my one of my favorite tracks from the game. It's just that fight is so ridiculously well designed. I could talk about it for a very long time, but I will spare you all the trouble. But um, looping back to something we did talk about earlier, which is incorporating like motifs throughout your game and incorporating one through line theme throughout the entire soundtrack. No other game does that better than Hollow Knight. Just barred none like oh, yeah. it's the light motif it's so great night is yeah beautiful like even even in that fight which is a fairly frantic fight and a very pretty frantic song too that you still hear that really like slow subdued like main theme from the from the main menu you hear those those piano chords in the exact same order and it, it plays across most of the soundtrack in some way shape or form and then chase i just sent you another track that we can also play quickly for like 10 seconds honestly uh sure. there is a 
amped up version of that fight that they added to the DLC. And it's just, I feel like is a really good illustration of how they incorporate the previous songs and like how they incorporate that motif throughout everything in the game. Cool. I'll jam it right now. enough yeah like that's a dlc track for a more difficult version of the same fight but uh, like what i mean with an easy illustration is just like they want to amp up the intensity even further for that more difficult sisters of battle version of the fight and so you hear the the trumpets come in you hear the horns come in you hear the 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 chorus like the choir come in with the uh the chanting too it's just like they're so good at taking previously established tracks and morphing them into something new in that game. And by God, if it doesn't work for my ears. Yeah, yeah. the chorus adds so much weight to it. Like, like the, it just sounded so much bigger when the chorus was playing in the second version. It's, it's insane. The fight is so frantic, and it's captured so perfectly in that song. Like, yep. you mentioned that it's a frantic song. And yeah, it's a frantic song because it's a frantic fight. They're coming at you left and right. You don't know what's going to happen. And... Oh, the the music captures that so well. They also yep. th that song does it really good. I mean, they do it throughout the soundtrack, but like the runs, like going up and down, and also like in this one particularly, they have like the three different versions, like the da -na 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 climbing, and then there's three different versions of that, and then it pairs them all together, like because you're fighting the three mantis lords. It's like oh, yep. so good. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite. Like that boss fight is absolutely memorable from gameplay alone, but the music just like because the music is is such part of that fight too right because the the fight is always going to be on the exact same beats the attacks always come on the exact same beats yeah. sonically to the music so they they have that luxury of being able to perfectly pair a song to a boss which is not something you usually get right most boss fights in games like especially frantic like fast-paced ones are a little bit random they kind of throw out whatever move they want at kind of you know different timings based on like they have big slow moves and they have quick moves but the mantis lords are perfectly perfectly balanced as all things should be and they just they hit you on the same beats every single time so the the song gets to hit you in the same place and it's amazing yeah love that whole soundtrack all right now we're on to my last song which is also sparak brooks from Catherine. here we go Yeah, um, that, so that song plays at the bar in Catherine. 
and it's just like the perfect interlude song like uh, from going from all these frantic levels like chaotic puzzle solving trying not to die solving puzzles like incredibly fast and then it's broken up by this like perfect bar music it's just very comforting it definitely adds to the whole vibe of that bar like that's like one of my favorite places to just hang out in a video game to just like chill at that bar talk to your friends learn about drinks and listen to that song yeah it's just good smooth jazz uh the protagonist's name is vincent right yes okay i thought i remembered that right yeah it, it's also just that that bar is where vincent chooses to spend pretty much all of his time in the game so it's good that it has a, a banger song to go along with it <laughs> yeah yeah it just perfectly breaks up like the rest of the soundtrack in like all the crazy puzzle solving you're doing and then you're just there chilling listen to that tune something that i'd like to play at work as well fits really well both with like the more kind of depressing notes in vincent's little story yeah. uh as well as with like the kind of upbeat whimsical ones that happen in that bar right vincent's like a tragic character by his own doing he's just like a piece of shit and <laughs> yeah it just like encapsulates his like sad drunken energy very well <laughs> cool is that so- something you have personal experience with there chase of course <laughs> <laughs> on both ends on both ends of the bar hmm. right on so that's a couple of our favorite tracks from gaming um and then we are just going to quickly before we close out touch on what we're we've all been playing the past week and maybe what we're looking forward to but we'll make it a little briefer today um so we'll start with our guest austin what have you been playing what are you looking forward to no surprise much like most of the world i've been playing elden ring um what am i looking forward to uh the new kirby game that's coming out nice hell yeah Uh, i I do want to play that Uh, i'm looking forward to that um yeah, no, I've been having a great time with Elden Ring. Game is massive. Like, I forgot games could be this large. And I'm like, holy shit, there's so much to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, especially coming from Pokemon, the gap in, like, you know, open world design is astonishing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy with it. Cool. Um, Ty, what about yourself? Yeah, I haven't had a ton of time re- in recently for games, but I did just recently play the uh, the game with Games Club games. So I got through Deflector and finished a run of that. And I also played uh, Not for Broadcast, and I uh, enjoyed both of those games. Uh, and I'm kind of just uh, whatever free time I have for gaming coming up in the near future is going to be devoted to Elden Ring. I'm probably going to very quickly sink like 40 hours into it uh, as soon as I first get my my fingers in the dirt. Yeah, right on. Kai, what about yourself? Yeah, so I've been playing Elden Ring. I haven't played as much as everybody else has just because, you know, the events of the world that have been going on recently, I haven't really been playing a lot of games recently with what's going on. Um, but when I do, it, it is Elden Ring. And uh, despite my disappointment with the performance of the game in terms of, like, just the frame rate issues and stuff like that, the game itself is fantastic. It is more than a worthy follow-up to Souls. Um, and it feels like it's the next step in the evolution of Souls. This is where the series should go, uh, you know, without it being Souls, of course, but it's a Souls game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little bit of Sekiro and some Breath of the Wild inspiration. They can call you know those what? bonfires whatever they want. They're still bonfires. <laughs> like, it's forever, guys. Like, yeah, I don't would... care if it's, if it's a finger. It's yeah. a white soapstone. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of fingering. Yeah. Lots of yeah, fingers. A lot, lot, lot of fingers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What's the comment they keep putting? They keep putting like finger. Like it's like it, you oh, do like finger and then butt. 
and then you put hole. So it's like finger yeah. butthole. Finger butthole. Oh yeah, yeah try finger butthole. That's or it. Time, <laughs> time for head. Or uh, oh, yeah. every character talks about the two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, go to like almost ever every like corpse you'll see just like sitting on like a like a tombstone or grave, and it'll just like be like try like oh, oh head or something like that. <laughs> try head. <laughs> see, like, oh, that's that's the FromSoft veterans. They know how to abuse the yeah. messaging system. They've been they're oh, practiced yeah. at this. Oh yeah. They know a good opportunity for a for an orange soapstone when they see one. <laughs> yeah, plus it, it's it's just fun to see the ghosts of other players exploring an open world while you're exploring that open world. And you're like, yeah. oh, cool, people are actually exploring this area the same time as me. That's fun. Yeah, it's cool. fun in the Souls games, and it's even more fun here. Yeah. So myself, I uh, beat What Remains of Edith Finch, which is, is somewhere Ooh. in my top twenty of all time. I'm gonna have to like cut like decompress and uh internalize what that game meant to me because it was pretty incredible lots of tears by the end um, yeah i was gonna say chase you're definitely gonna cry you're oh, yeah. definitely gonna cry at the end of that couple game. times like there's no way you were awesome have you played it i have not played it okay no. uh, i'll just lightly say that i think obviously the ending and uh, the last couple moments and then also the for some reason the swing set one i don't know if you remember that yeah that i remember yeah. That oh, I remember. Like I remember everyone. I remember every too. short story. <laughs> yeah, but for, for me, it was uh, it was the uh, the can factory, of like course, the, yeah. the can yeah. tuna the factory, is, and is the best one. Yeah, yeah, and the bathtub. I'm not going to yeah. say much more yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but it also like you know it, it's emotionally weighty, but it doesn't stop it from being weird and funny, and like it just hits a lot of other notes. It's not just like here's a depressing game. It's like we're covered. We're we're you know. We're gonna be light. Kind of great. Like they they layer a lot of the the sadder elements and like darker stuff in that story, like kind of in the background for, for the sure. first like three quarters of the game, and then it doesn't really get up in your face until later exactly. on. Like obviously, obviously it's a tragic story. Like you know that going in, like not to spoil too much about it for Austin who hasn't played it, but you know from pretty much very early on in the game that this is a story about people who have died. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is inherently like a tragic concept. <laughs> I feel because they cover so many too, and because of its ties to obviously like familial bondage, the different stories are going to hit different people. Like you know, you never know which one's going to be the most emotionally impactful for you because it's all different uh, people who would have been a part of your lives: aunts, uncles, grandpas, like brothers, sisters, all that stuff. So um, incredible. Then I played a game called Squidlet right after. Pretty trash. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I did the Games Club games and. I'm definitely looking forward to playing Elden Ring and I've been like just really into Smash lately. Damn. I'm excited about the Smash tournaments that Austin brought up. I'm definitely going to go to both of those and I've just been wanting to like practice Smash. I've been having a lot of fun playing it at the brewery All and right. stuff. So. Well, for starters, uh, hit me up because I'll come play Smash anytime. Okay, cool. Uh, and on a second note, um, you're not allowed to play Elden Ring. That's illegal. You have to play the entire lineage from Soft Games first. Yeah, you need, you need to play the whole... Like, literally, this is a game designed for Soulsborne diehards. Yeah. Like, it is I definitely, for them. I definitely, so. like, have been wanting to start Dark Souls as soon as possible. Like, hopefully this week I finally get around to it. But um, at some point in the future, this year, I'll play Elden Ring. But uh, Chase, uh, now that I'm guessing online services have returned for the rest of the Souls series... Uh, we could do something maybe involving Dark Souls 2. Yeah, well, I would. I mean, I'm down co-op. to play co-op. I don't really ca- like maybe one. I'll play through on my own, but I don't really care about yeah. the. No, I've had okay. Okay. One, you have to play on your yeah, own. Yeah. Like that game is the best on your own, but yeah. two is a miserable experience by yourself. It would be horrible to play that game Fair. by yourself. It needs Fair. to be played with friends. 
yeah that'll do it for this week's podcast uh we're gonna cover our games club podcast in the next week and uh thanks a lot austin for joining us talking about some music hell yeah no worries it was a lot of fun i love listening to a bunch of great uh, video game soundtracks and some i hadn't heard so yeah this might be a returning segment depending on if people enjoy it but uh seems like a good podcast format just to have people listening to music while they're walking around and stuff so um yeah we'll see you soon love you Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.